a few years ago, this story came out. Um, there's a, a toothpaste company, and I forget which one, Crest, Aquafesh, who cares? It was a toothpaste company. Uh, and they were uh, reaching some pretty good levels of success. They were, like their production was at an all-time high. Uh, but they kind of ran into a problem. For whatever reason, their manufacturing wasn't quite, quite up to snuff. And uh, they were sending out empty boxes. So they'd send out their boxes and there would be no tube of toothpaste in there. And the people who were buying those, right, they were really mad. They're not happy about that. Hey, we're your customers. We are trying to buy this toothpaste from you. We're not getting everything we order. And if you don't fix it, we're going to order from somebody else. And so the CEO of the company says, hey, we can't have this. We've got to get this figured out. We've got to get it fixed now. Otherwise, this could derail our entire company and I don't want to be out of a job. But his engineering core, so to speak, was all tied up with different projects and they couldn't spare anybody. And so they had to go out to what they called an outside consultant. Everybody knows what outside consultant means. It means a lot of money. Um, so uh, they went to this outside engineering firm. And they said, hey, here's our problem. We're sending out toothpaste boxes without toothpaste in them. And it's becoming a major issue for the people that are buying from us. And we got to get it fixed because they're threatening to go somewhere else. And so it took about six months took about six months for them to come up with a solution and $8 million for them to get it figured out. But basically what they came up with was this super awesome sensitive scale. And any time a toothpaste uh, box would go across it, if the scale didn't measure right, it would sound, the, sound an alarm, flash a light, and stop the, like, the assembly line. And somebody had to physically go over, remove the bad box, and press the button to start it again. And so for a while, this is working out great, but uh, the CEO, like a lot of times CEOs do, want to make sure that they spent their money well. And so he goes to do a study on his return on investment. And so as he's looking through the numbers for like the past month that he uh, has had this going, he realizes that like the first two weeks they had caught stuff, like 15, 20, 30 boxes, whatever. It was a, a week and it was, you know, it was saving them money and saving them headache and customers were happy. And so he was super happy with it. But then the, the two weeks following that, they didn't catch a single box. And he's like, great, we just spent $8 million on this, took us six months, and now this thing is broken. And so he calls the firm and he says, hey, we spent $8 million with you guys. It took us six months. We came up with the solution, and now it's not working. They caught zero boxes in the last two weeks. So the company says, hey, we'll send somebody right over. They come over, they do a diagnostic, and they say, listen, we hooked up to this thing. We looked at our computers. Everything is working perfectly. And the CEO was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. There's no way that you caught zero boxes over the last two weeks and this thing is working perfectly. And so he starts to kind of inspect the assembly line and he gets to the very end right before where the scale is. And right before where the scale is, there's a $15 box fan that was set up on a stool that was blowing all the empty boxes off the conveyor belt before it got to the scale. And so he sits there and he says, well, what in the world? Who, what, what is this? And the guy says, hey, you know, Jerry from third shift, he got sick and tired of having to go over there and remove the box every 15, 20 minutes. And so he set up this fan. And now we don't have that problem anymore. See, the issue is a lot of times in life, we come up with a very complicated solution to something that's a very simple process. And we do that a lot of times with kingdom building. We've been talking all about building the kingdom and our role in that and how we can further the kingdom of God and, and get more people included in that. And so often as churches, we complicate things. We come up with uh, 
you know, we, we try to get the best speakers. We roll out all the stops. We get uh, bands and choirs to come and do performances. And we come up with snazzy sermon series with gift bags that, that match. And, and we do all these things to try to get people through the door and, and so much more. There's so much more that goes on. And listen, I don't necessarily fault it because, hey, get people in the door and then you can tell them about Jesus. And I would never apologize for getting an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus that maybe otherwise wouldn't be there. But I think that all we really need to do is tell people about Jesus. We don't have to have this big overcomplicated solution to a simple problem. If we want to be people who build the kingdom, we need to focus on the king. We need to focus on the king. Because if we tell people about the king, about his character, about the way that he treats us, about all the things that he's done for us, then naturally people are going to be, want to be a part of that kingdom. And they don't need all the bells and whistles, and they don't need the giveaways, and they don't need the chance at a free car or a toaster oven or anything else. Here's the fact of the matter, and I'm just going to be real honest with you. There will always be a better speaker. There just will be. Eventually, maybe you find somebody like, man, that guy's the top. I don't know. But like, I will just say for Crosspoint, there will be a better speaker. There will be some pastor who can wear skinny jeans and is muscular and says funny things all the time and is just like way more handsome than I am and also way more intelligent. There will be better speakers. And I love our band. Band, don't get me wrong. But like, there will be better bands. But all of those things, all of those things that we try to do and all those things that we try to uh, catch people's attention with, that stuff is just temporary. And a lot of times we look at getting the best speaker and getting the best band and, and doing the best music, like that, that stuff is for us, right? That stuff isn't for non-believers, that stuff's for believers. We like the entertainment value. We come to church and we say, oh man, he's talking about Jesus again. You know what we could really do to spice this up? Fog machine. You know, that, that's for us. That's not for them. But if we look at the model of the Old Testament and even the New Testament, especially when the, the New Testament church was exploding, they followed a simple model. And we see it in Acts 28, from, Acts 28, 31 from Paul. It says, He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. See, he didn't need the bells and whistles. He just told people about Jesus. And he wasn't afraid to do it. And he wasn't um, worried about when he did it. He just shared. He just shared. And part of the reason that Paul shared is because he was excited about his faith. And so the first thing I want to ask you today is, are you excited about your story? Are you excited about your story? Now, this is a personal question that we have to answer for ourselves. Let's look at Mark 7, 33 through 37. It says, after he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his finger into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up at heaven with a deep sigh and he said, Ephetah, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute 
speak. See, we see this take place in the gospel a handful of times where Jesus performs a miracle for somebody. He does something good and godly, and then he asks people not to go and tell others about it. Now, that's a whole nother sermon. That's a whole nother discussion for why he made that request. But here's the important part. People couldn't keep their mouths closed. They couldn't. They just couldn't stop themselves. They were so excited about their story. They were so excited about what they had seen God do and what God had done personally for them that they could not help but share. They just had to. It was their only option. It was their only option. And so my question to you today is, are you excited about your story? Are you excited about your story? Right? Has Christ done enough for you? Has God done enough for you in your life for you to say, hey, this is worthy of sharing. This is worthy of sharing. Who God is, who Christ is, what they are to me, this is worthy of me sharing that gift with the people around me. So are you excited about your story? And if your answer to that question is yes, then my next question is, are you sharing? Are you sharing? See, if we're excited about our story, if we're excited about what God has done for us, we'll share our story. You see this all the time when people, when they first come to uh, commit to a relationship with Christ, right? And they, they enter this relationship with Christ and people are what? They're on fire. And they're telling everybody and they're pumped and they're excited about it. And for whatever reason, as time goes on, as our life goes on, we kind of lose sight of that. We lose track of that. Stuff starts to wear us down and, and we lose our excitement and maybe we lose our thirst to tell others. And the fact of the matter is, if we are going to build the kingdom, we have to be excited about our story. And this is what I'll tell you. You all have an exciting story. You all have an exciting story. Some of us have some really crazy stories, right? Drug abuse, jail time, God got a hold of me, completely turned me around. Some of us maybe have what we would consider boring stories. I grew up in church my whole life. I accepted Christ when I was six, and it's been that way ever since. Guess what? Both are exciting stories. Why? Because when those stories started, you were both headed for the same place. That was hell. But the love of Christ and the grace that God showed you through Christ's sacrifice has given you a new outcome. And if you're not excited about that, I don't know what to get excited about. I don't know what to get excited about. Maybe we need to give people a taste of hell. Like we can turn the heat up in here one day to like a thousand and just see what happens. Maybe light some little fires all around and have somebody just yell at you the whole time, right? For you to see how miserable that it could have been. And I would suggest gold floors, but that seems a little bit, maybe to show you what heaven's like, that seems like a little bit too much. I'm not sure we could fit that cost. But if your answer to the question of, are you excited about your story is yes, then you must share. See the early church, church, that's different than church, that church, they built the kingdom of God organically. It was all organic. They just told people about what God had done. They just told people about what God had done. People hearing about him, his character, his teachings, they wanted to come and see what he was all about. It's three separate stories we're going to talk about briefly. Okay, first in Mark 5, 27. Now there was a lady, and if you've been in church for a while, you know the story. If you don't, I encourage you to look it up. Google Mark 5, it'll come up, Okay. But this lady, she had been bleeding for a very long time, and she had been very sick. And because of Jewish culture that day, she was seen as unclean, and 
she would have been separated from her family and friends, and she heard about Jesus. She had just heard about him. And it says in uh, Mark 5, 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. This woman had such faith that she just thought, hey, if I could just touch the very little piece of his clothing, I could be healed. From all that I've heard about him, I can be healed. And it's a really cool story because Jesus is walking along and he says, hey, who touched me? And people are like, nobody touched you. And he's like, hey, I felt power leave me. Like I felt power go out from me. And so she says, hey, it was I. I've been sick for a long time. And I just thought if I could just touch your garment that I would be healed. And he says, hey, your faith has healed you. And she goes out brand new. There's another story in Luke 8, 34 and 35. This is another famous Christian story if you've grown up in church, but it's where Jesus comes upon the man who's demon possessed by legion, right? And they say, we are legion for we are many. And he's got so many demons inside of him that, that he's just, for lack of a better term, nuts. And he's completely secluded and away from everything. And Jesus comes upon him and the demons recognize Jesus as the son of God. And they're like just begging him to like let them not be like just completely destroyed. And so, um, they ask him, there's like, hey, there's a horde of pigs over there. Can we go in these pigs? Right? This is some crazy stuff. And he's like, yeah, you can go in those pigs. And so sends them off into the pigs, and the pigs go diving off the cliff, and they all die. And, and this is what it says in Luke 34, 35. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And then the people went out to see what had happened. See, they heard about what Jesus had done, and then they went to see about it. They went to see about it. John 12, 17 and 18, it says, Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he performed this sign, went out to meet him. Because they heard, they came. My question to you is, who in your life needs to hear about Jesus from you? Because if they hear and they see your excitement, and quite frankly, they see how real it is to you, they'll at least think about it. They'll at least think about it. So it's our job. It's our job to find excitement in our stories and to share. And to find no other option in our life but to share. What else do we learn from the new church? This, be bold. Be bold. Be bold. Click the B in Microsoft Word. Be bold. I, I, I can say it a thousand times. I won't because you'll hate me. If the early church shared their faith where it was welcome, they wouldn't have shared it at all. If the early church had shared that the Messiah had come in Jesus, where that message was welcome, it would not have been shared. It would not have been shared. Being bold is a prerequisite for building the kingdom. It takes courage and gravitas for us to, to step out sometimes of our comfort zone and do what it is that we're supposed to do, and that is share about the kingdom of God. You have to be bold. You have to be bold. You have to get a little uncomfortable. I wanted to quote Miss Frizzle here where she says, take chances, get messy, and make mistakes. But I couldn't because if you're bold enough to share your faith, it's not a mistake. It's not a mistake. 
I will promise you this, that if you share your faith in good conscience, you will never regret it. You will never regret it. Regardless of the outcome, regardless of what happens after that point, if you share your faith, you share your story, you share your excitement, you will not regret it. You see, a chance not taken is an opportunity missed. Chance not taken is an opportunity missed. And the fact of the matter is, we never know how many opportunities we will have. You know, I heard this growing up all the time. It's one of those things where older people always talked about, man, the world is getting so much worse. And as a kid, you kind of rolled your eyes at that, and you're like, oh, whatever. But then as you grow up, you start to see how much worse it was than you were a kid, right? Like I teach high schoolers and middle schoolers now, and, and I see how much worse their world is now than when I was their age. And it just, the fact of the matter is, it is. It is. We had two mass shootings in our country yesterday, and that's not a political statement, it's just a statement of fact. And as of now, the number that I know is that 28 people lost their lives. We had somebody at Kearney and Glenstone decide that they wanted to run from the cops in a truck, and they smashed head-on into another vehicle, and they took lives. The fact of the matter is, we don't know how many opportunities we get. We never know when someone's next breath will be their last. It's a scary part of our world. It could petrify us if we allow it to. But you know, the fact of the matter is that we have something to be excited about going forward, and we need to share that with others. We have to be bold to do so. We look at Ephesians 3, 11 through 12. It says that according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. See, Christ has secured our ability to be bold. He has taken away our need to fear because as Christians, we know that we will never experience death. It even goes on to talk about that very specific thing in Luke 12, 4 and 5. It says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Fear him. You could change that word fear for respect. But we serve the only person who we should truly have any fear of. And that's God. You want to hear the next great thing? Listen to this. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, because of what Christ has done, we can approach the only one that we have any need to fear openly understanding that grace is available there to us through Jesus. We have no reason not to be bold. And in this day and age, I would argue, I said, man, I sounded so old there this day and age. Hey! Um, in this day and age, we have no reason not to be bold. We have no reason not to be bold. If we're excited about our story, if we believe that what Christ has done for us can be done for others, we have no reason not to be bold. We have no reason not to share. God is on our side. God is on our side. And if that's true, what do we have to fear? What do we have to fear? If you're coming up with a list of things that you have to fear, I suggest you do an inventory on how strong your faith is. We have nothing to fear. Because in the end, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. We don't need all the bells and whistles. We don't need the giveaways. 
Again, I already told you, I'm not faulting those things. I'm not even saying that we as a church may never do anything like that. Right? Those things can get people in the door, but if we want them to stick around, they have to meet Jesus. They have to meet Jesus. Things of this earth, they will fade away. Jesus will always remain. He will always be there. He is the glue that makes people stick. And if we want them to be a part of the kingdom, sure, get them here however you can, but you better make sure when they're here that they get to meet Jesus and that you get to tell them about who Jesus is and what it is that he has done for you. Because he makes all the difference. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's all they need to know. That's all they need to know. That's available to each and every one of them. You want to know how to evangelize? You want to know how to build a kingdom? You want to know how to reach people? Tell them how Jesus has loved you. Tell them how Jesus has loved you. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have the entire Bible memorized. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have gone to school. You don't have to have anything else other than the story that is your life. Jesus has loved me and this is how. And I know that he can love you too. But we have to be bold. We have to be bold. If we want to build the kingdom, focus on the king. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I pray that this word and this message resonates with all of us, that you place it on our hearts and don't allow it to leave until, God, we have no other opportunity in our life but to act. Help us to be people who are bold in our faith, who are excited about our stories and see the worth and what it is that you have done for us. Help us to understand that Christ is enough, that Jesus is way more than enough. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have the latest trendy, cool church stuff. We don't have to have the best speaker or the greatest band or the nicest facility or the best donuts. We just need people who will tell others that Jesus loves them. Help us to love like Christ loves. God, we ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.